Welcome to That Mom Life. I'm Sarah Jordan, and today I am joined by one of my favorite people that I have met professionally. This is Elizabeth McCall. She is the assistant master distiller to Woodford Reserve, which obviously sounds fun <laughs> immediately. <laughs> and I'm trying to pinpoint when I first met you. I mean, obviously it was over bourbon, but... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Obviously, it was over bourbon. I don't really remember. It may have been probably, I mean, I've been in this sort of ambassador's type of role. I was master taster, and that started in 2015. So it had to have been somewhere in the past couple of years. But it's always usually, it's probably around derby time, doing some mm-hmm. fun cocktail, talking to you early morning, <laughs> you know, early I mean, morning mint juleps. Um, yeah. I don't think and I know we just hit it off because you're just fun person. Oh, <laughs> see, and that's how I loved you. I mean, yes, you were the person carrying the beautiful bourbon drinks, but when it's derby season, <laughs> it's fair game for the media to have a mint julep in their hand by 630 in the morning. Um, that's because they're broadcasting um, already and <laughs> hyping it up. But also something I think maybe you and I met because I we used to bring people down to the station all the time. And we would mix cocktails mm-hmm. there at the studio because your job is one that's is not typical. So we'll take a step back just for a minute and we'll catch up again. So Elizabeth, what, how did you even get on this path to what you're doing now? Is there, is is there, what's your educational background right now? Uh, So my educational background is in psychology. So I was really thought I was going to be a therapist, which you talk to many bartenders, mixologists, and they're like, well, you work in the bourbon industry. It's a form of therapy, which I tend Mm -hmm. to agree with. Um, But I I definitely... took a total 180 um, when I found out about a job opening up at Brown Foreman. It was an entry-level position in the sensory department. And uh, basically, that senses is all about human response to things. If you think about it, it's how do you, how does a person respond to the flavor, the the smell, the, you know, the aroma of a product. And that's what um, the sensory department does. And so I used, was able to leverage my psychology degree. So I have an undergrad in psychology, a master's in counseling psychology, leverage the methodology of setting up experiments, and then also um, the statistical analysis to apply to this job. And then I've just worked my way up from from there because I was always in quality control and it sounds so simple, but <laughs> I was like over 10 years ago when I started with the company and just passion and, and like really a love for bourbon, like, I guess kind of how it got me here. <laughs> I mean, that's such an interesting path, but you're right. I mean, you're right. It sounds easy, but it is not easy at all Mm -hmm. to get where you've gotten today, especially at your younger, the fact that you've been there for 10 years. I mean, that is truly an accomplishment. Yeah, it's kind of insane. I mean, I just, I have to pinch myself and um, I heard many women speak um, and at different conferences and they talk about imposter syndrome and that's a real thing. Imposter syndrome where you're like, am I really qualified to be doing this? But then it's like, I know that I I've worked really hard. I have a strong passion for quality. I work with the greatest master distiller mentor, Chris Morris, um, who's really uh, helped so much and just guided my, not only from a understanding of bourbon and the industry, how we make it, but also just 
how to navigate your career path has been really helpful as well. And um, yeah, it's just one of those interesting things that you just say yes to opportunities and you may not, you fake it till you make it. And um, just having confidence to just keep doing it. And I, I really voiced my opinion early on about what I wanted in my career and what I was interested in. And I just followed that path. I didn't know it would lead me to this role in particular, but I was like, oh, there are jobs where you can talk to people about our brands at Brown Foreman, which is you know our parent company for those that don't know it. But it's um, it was something I was interested in. I was like, I love talking to people, and I love talking about our products because we make really, really good products. And um, and it just grew from that. So, lots of time and effort, but um, and some tears along the way. Um, oh, but sure. you know, you get you get, and I'm still learning. You know, still on that journey. Well, and if some people may have seen you, like you're the one now who, before the Kentucky Derby runs, you're the one that's on the Today Show helping them make the $1,000 mint julep. And <laughs> you're being dressed by Reese Witherspoon's clothing brand or interviewing her yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. this has led you to such, um, like you said, you said yes to opportunities, but really ones that I don't even know if you could voice because you didn't even know they existed necessarily to be that person to travel the world. <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing is that like before I got into this brand ambassador role, I mean, I was traveling the world on behalf of the company talking about quality, which is not very sexy or exciting. I find it very interesting. Um, But then now, I mean, this this position in this brand is so it's Woodford Reserve is just a brand that is um, I don't even know how to describe how amazing it is. People want to be associated with it. Um, It is sophistication and style in a bottle. It's kind of embodies a lot of really wonderful things. And, and a lot of people want to be associated with it. And it's also our association with the Derby. So you you talked about uh, Draper James with uh, Reese Witherspoon. I mean, such a great company to partner with for Derby season and just the fashion and, and just kind of that feel of, of a little bit of Southern charm going on and, um, we've got a recent partnership with Justin Thomas, the golfer who, I mean, Ooh. you talk about just a really upstanding, wonderful person. I mean, and his family's wonderful, so many great values there and just a great partnership that we've developed with him. And, um, and it's all been organic and natural, which is what I think um, I'm most proud of with this brand because people want to be a part of it and we don't like go out and, oh, you seem like a popular person. How about you represent our brand? It's like, no, Justin Thomas is from Kentucky. He wanted to be a part of, you know, he had another space for sponsorship and thought, I would love to have a bourbon. Let's do Woodford Reserve and approached us and we figured it out. So it's just simple things like that, that make this brand such a, like, oh, it's just a dream to work for and be a part of. So did you grow up in Kentucky? I was born in Cincinnati, Ohio, so really close to here, um, but moved down here in 95 because of my dad's job. And so I was here from elementary school on. So, I mean, I really and truly feel like I embody everything of a Kentuckian and have embraced Kentucky as home. But, you know, Cincinnati, it's like, it'll always be there as, as kind of where I was born. And my parents are from Ohio. So I think that makes a difference when you're not, uh, my parents weren't born here. So it's a little different. My husband's born and bred in Kentucky. So I feel like, um, 
you know, he's got deep roots here. And so it's, it's interesting having like the, his experience and with his friends and stuff. It's just, it's good. I mean, Louisville is such a great town. You know, I, you and I share something in common then. So I was born in Ohio as well and up by Cleveland and we moved down here for my dad's job in 90. I want to say. And so basically the only life I can remember is the one that I I live in Southern Indiana, but is of being in the Louisville area. But you are right. The fact that my parents are from Ohio, all of my family, my grandparents, my cousins are all in Ohio. You're right. It is a little bit different of a background when your parents are not born and bred Kentuckians or Hoosiers or from the home of the Kentucky Derby. It is a little bit different perspective for sure. Whereas my husband's family Mm -hmm. is from here. So I feel you (laughs) on that. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, it's a really unique experience because I've heard people say, especially about Louisville, like it's very, um, I mean, and I love this town. It's not a negative thing, but people have their little groups, their communities that they've known since, I mean, for generations almost of friends and, and just, it's so different. And it wasn't like that in Cincinnati. Um, I, and I don't know really why that is, but, um, but you know, it's not a good or bad thing. It's just the differences, but it's definitely something you notice when your parents are not from this area. Oh, for sure. I noticed that because it's like I would go to school and they'd be like, oh, are you related to these people, these people, these people? I'm like, no, I'm from (laughs) somewhere else. I'm not related to anyone around here. And it was always Mm -hmm. weird to me if I was driving around with friends and they'd point and say, oh, that's my grandparents' house. Or, oh, I was hanging out with my cousins. And that was just not something I had the privilege of having growing up because my family lived six hours away from me. So it was... um, it was definitely different. And then the other thing I realized once I got a little bit older, once I was out in college was in this area, if they say, where did you go to school? They're a hundred percent referencing high school. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. No, nobody cares where you went to college. No. <laughs> they want to know what high school, because that tells them who, where you grew up, who you're friends with. Oh yeah. It's a total thing here. <laughs> yeah. And then they all start connecting the dots and trying to, that's something in this mm-hmm. town, hundred percent. They start figuring out who they might know that, you know, and it starts with the yeah. question of where did you yep. go to high school? And typically they can trace backwards and figure out someone, you know, and that's uh-huh. what's so funny. And that's why Louisville, they say it's a, um, it's a small town vibe. I mean, it is a bigger city, but yeah. it is a small town vibe. And there's somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody <laughs> always. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Always, always. <laughs> So how long have you and your husband been together now? Uh, Six years. Yes. Six years we've been together. We've been married for, well, we're coming up on our fourth anniversary. Um, So in September. How did you guys meet? Six wonderful years. Um, We were set up on a blind date, actually. Um, We, like, it was funny. One of my good friends, uh, she was dating his cousin. This is such a Kentucky story. So she was dating his cousin, and they were at some, like, family thing, or she was with him. And Matt, Matt is my husband, Matt McCall, and he was there, single. And my friend was like, oh, he's single. He's good looking. I have a single friend. They should meet. So we we went bowling um, on our first date and he was just still is like so funny, so sweet. And um, I just remember laughing a lot. And then he sent me actually he sent me sunflower sunflowers like the next day. And it was it was just so sweet. It was like, oh, my God, I was like, oh, I got flowers and I haven't you know, nobody men just don't do things like that anymore where they really 
or they do. I shouldn't say they don't, but in my experience with dating, like they, I, I didn't get flowers sent to me. So he sent me flowers. And then I remember we went on our first, like after we did the blind date thing and like tested it out, like, okay, we do like each other. Let's do a second date. He came and picked me up. And I remember he came to the door and it was like, oh, oh. And I do, I have a funny story to tell about our first date, actually talking just about Southern gentlemen and, and, and understanding Southern gentlemen. Like we went to uh, ceviche, which is such a great restaurant mm. in Louisville. And so good. I love it. It's so good. Isn't it? The guacamole is amazing. Mm. Um, but we go to sit down and the hostess takes us to our table and Matt wasn't sitting yet. And so I like moved to another chair and I was like, Oh, are we not sitting here? And she was like, Oh, he's being a gentleman. He's waiting for you to sit first before he sits. And I was like, Oh, thank you, hostess, that I don't know for explaining to me what <laughs> gentlemen do. Because <laughs> clearly, I don't know. And I have not been exposed to this before. So, um, yeah, and he's and that's just my husband in a nutshell, just like the most considerate person and uh, just always like doing the gentlemanly kind thing. My parents are like he's just so nice. And I'm like, I know I really lucked out with him. So, yeah, he's how, he's, how a, he's a catch. Um, 29 and he was 30. So he's like a year. I always like to make sure people know he's a year, year and a half older than me. So, so did wait, did, did your friends go on the first date? Like as a, like a double date, like as an introduction? Or yeah. You guys really did so the, they did go? the bowling date was the first date. I mean, the first, like that's our blind date. And so we, we doubled date it or we did like a, a couples thing and then the next date was the ceviche dinner by ourselves so i have to tell you something else and this is i think why you and i are kindred spirits and probably are friends so yeah. my husband and i i got a text message from one of my lifelong friends who's now the godmother to my children as well and she mm -hmm. said hey the best man from our wedding is single would you want to go out on a blind double date and he'll come but we'll be there as a buffer and I was like, okay. So my husband grew up with her husband and I grew up with her. <laughs> yeah. But so then we all went out to dinner and she was like, okay, if dinner goes well, then we'll go play putt putt. If putt putt goes well, then we'll go to O'Shea's. And mm -hmm. I was like, okay, great. So they were like our buffer that entire date. And mm -hmm. that's how we met. And that was our first blind date. And he was hilarious. And I remember he like walked me to the car after the first date and he did not try anything. He just gave me a kiss on the cheek. And then mm -hmm. he immediately texted me and was like, I had such a good time. Let's go, go out again. And I remember thinking, wait a second, there's no like wait three day rule. There's no games here. <laughs> it was just yeah. like, I had a good time. I really like you. Let's go out without Joy and Scott. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, great. And that's exactly how our relationship started too. And then we've been together ever since. And I remember thinking, and I tell this to other people, I'm like, a lot of times when you meet the one, there's not games. I mean, you know that you've matured to a certain point when it's not like you have to question whether or not they like you or question whether or not you should call them or text them or get together again. And it's a great way to meet people. I mean, it doesn't, the matchmaking scenario doesn't always work, but in some cases you hit gold. <laughs> exactly. No. And that was the thing is that we didn't have any of those games. Like I didn't have to play those games with him. And it no. was just, it was just, and I don't want to say it was easy, but it was kind of easy. We just got along and we hung out and I met his parents like very early on and they were the most adorable, wonderful people. And so we just kind of just 
we jived and we we continue to jive. I feel like we've got, you know, we everybody has their hiccups and arguments and stuff. But for the most part, I think, too, we were a little older, you know, is going into my yeah. 30s. And I kind of had no I knew who I was as a person or you know, strong about like, I know who I am. I know what I believe in. And he did too. And we just, we're, you know, we have, we're able to meet on things and compromise and talk through it. So we're still working. Everything's a work in progress, but it's, it's going really well. So far, so good. <laughs> and obviously he's supportive of your career, which you definitely have a spotlighted right. career given what your job <laughs> is. And it takes, a, it does take a certain man to be able to handle that. And he clearly does. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, he is incredibly supportive. And he's always he jokes with people. He's like, I'm a professional purse holder. Like I, I go to these events and I know I hold her purse or do whatever. But he's like my rock. I mean, I mean, talk about derby time. I last year was it last year's 2018 was the first year that I gave the uh, toast for derby um, on national television and live at Churchill Downs. And it was live. And so you're talking, I mean, what are how many viewers? like 19 million. I mean, there's millions of people tuning into this, whether they're actually watching and paying attention, you know, who knows, but they're viewing. And, um, and I just, our PR guy was like, yeah, you're going to do this. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a huge honor. But my husband was there like asking me, like, get out of the shower. Okay. Tell me your toast. What is it? Let's say it, let's prep and like helping me memorize it. How did I go through it. I mean, he's like always there kind of helping. And um, so I'm so grateful that I have that because it could go the other way. I'm sure that there are people who have spouses or significant others that are maybe can be a little jealous, but that that's never, ever the case with him. So very grateful. Uh, that's awesome. I mean, that's, I can remember again, back to the blind date story. My, he didn't know what I did for a living and I've been in radio now 14 years and I had recorded my Saturday yeah. night shift. And he was like, Hey, what do you do for a living? And like, literally at that moment, my voice came on the radio and I was like, Oh, I do that. That's me. <laughs> and he was like, Oh, okay, cool. And it wasn't a thing. It wasn't like he, he has never once questioned when I'm having to go to concerts or it's derby season or mm -hmm. I'm working on the weekend late at night. Like he just knows that like he supports me and he's totally fine with that. So, I mean, it is so crucial to find somebody that just matches your rhythm and it's not a competition and it's just going back and forth supporting each other because your husband's obviously very successful himself too. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, he has, and we have interesting jobs. So I'm, you know, in this bourbon industry and I have evening events and then he's in, in real estate. So he constantly has stuff at weird times on the weekends and evenings. And I mean, he's at the mercy of his clients. And I just, I feel like, oh, he's the best because I hooked off the phone with somebody. I'm like, wow, you really, you really care about like, and it's, you know, all hours and it'll be 930 at night. And he's like, okay, I got to go and finish this writing up this document or whatever he's doing. And um, so we just try to support each other in that. And, um, you know, <laughs> it'll be interesting bringing a baby into this scenario of like, how do we manage <laughs> our lives with all these weird things, <laughs> weird schedules? I, I, I forgot to mention one important thing now that we're like 15 minutes in. So you're <laughs> expecting. And yes, when you are the first person I've had on this podcast that is expecting and not already with child. And when I mm -hmm. say expecting, I mean, like you're in your last days. <laughs> yes. I'm like, baby McCall, you come any day now. That's totally fine with me and with your dad. So any day. <laughs> so did you not always know when you got together that you guys wanted to have a family together? 
Yes. I mean, he, he comes from, he's got two older sisters and I have two brothers. So we both knew we wanted to have kids and um, have like not a super huge family, but you know, a, a relatively two, three children for sure. And so you're due any day right now. How are you feeling? I'm actually feeling really good. I've been trying to stay super active. Like I walk the dogs every morning. I do my yoga um, and just trying to stay. And I go out, I have my horse. um, So I go out and I don't ride right now because I'm a little top heavy. Um, But I just go out and take care of him. And so I'm trying to stay active. But, you know, the, the thing is right now is sleeping super challenging. I don't really sleep. And um, people are saying that that's just your body's way of getting you ready for not sleeping when you have mm-hmm. a baby. And I'm doing okay with that so far. It's just more annoying. And then the swelling, you know, I've got like a little swelling and sort of carpal tunnel like sim- symptoms in my oh. hands, which is annoying. Um, but like nothing, I mean, I'm just so grateful to have this baby and to be... It, like having this experience, like, it's just weird. I look down at my belly and I'm like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I was like that Monica Geller girl who would put a pillow under her shirt and be like, oh, one day I'm going to have a baby with some awesome man. And like now it's happening and it's just so surreal and exciting. Um, so I'm just trying to embrace all of it and not be grumpy <laughs> about it. It is really is much through the pain, the swelling, the, your body just going through things you can't even control. And it's not mm-hmm. so glamorous. There are moments that I've looked down and I am, or I catch a glimpse of myself in the mirror. And I mm-hmm. think I am growing a life. Like that yeah. is a feeling unlike anything else that no one can tell you how you're going to feel about it. But when you feel a baby moving around inside of you, and you watch your body transform. At the end of the day, I'm like, women are straight magical for the fact that our yeah. bodies know what to do to grow something mm-hmm. from the tiniest fraction of a seed into a mm-hmm. full baby. That is insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. It's just so crazy. Like we have all of our ultrasound pictures up and I have the day, you know, we did IVF. So I have the day when we had our transfer of our little embryo in there and like, you can't see anything. There's like a little arrow. It's like, that's it. I'm like, okay. And then to now we have 3d pictures of our baby. It's like, you're human. (laughs) I can't believe that it went from that to this little human. And like, and then now I can feel like an elbow and a knee kicking me and it's just, and poking on my bladder constantly. And it's amazing. It really is truly amazing. And what your body does is just insane. Now just prepare yourself for labor because if you think it's amazing what it can do now, just wait until you see what it can do then, which is literally days from now. So I know that's something I'm very curious about. You know, like I, I found out recently I had surgery years ago for a condition, like a neurological condition and it caused uh, damage to my spinal cord, just some like numbness sort of thing. But my neurosurgeon was Go, he's not giving me clearance to have an epidural. So I have to do this naturally. And I'm, you know, I kind of wanted to explore that before I knew I couldn't have an epidural. I was like, I just, you know, what is birth about? Like women have been doing this forever. I just want to feel the sensation and see if I could do it. But I loved knowing I had an epidural in my back pocket, but I don't have that anymore. So now it's going to be a totally like, Okay, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna I'm gonna make it through. Women have been doing this for ever. So I mean it's I'm excited and a little anxious and you know 
the unknown. Ask, okay. Literally, if you have any questions right now, you can ask me anything. Nothing is TMI for me. Nothing is off the table. I've had three children. Mm-hmm. And I will say, I, I, I'm i glad that, again, this is just why you're such a wonderful person and I gel with you. I, too, <laughs> thought the same thing about having kids naturally. My mom had all mm-hmm. th- me and my two sisters naturally. And I thought the same thing. I'm like, this has been something people have been experiencing since the beginning of time. I want to know if I can do it. And mm-hmm. I did go through a natural pregnancy or labor with my, I tried it all three times was only completely successful the second time with my daughter mm-hmm. Kennedy had a completely natural birth no epidural whatsoever so I mean if you ever do have any random questions this week or even yeah. right now I'm more than happy to answer them um, the biggest thing I will say is having make your body being ready ahead of time mm-hmm. is such a huge key and I know that sounds obvious but like on my third that I just had I was induced mm-hmm. because I was considered high risk and by yeah. being induced <laughs> it was a lot harder to go through a natural labor even though I tried for 10 hours yeah well and that's something so I, my biggest fear because I'm you know I am 35 years old so that makes me advanced maternal age or geriatric um, and which I just think is hilarious but uh, my so my doctor doesn't want me to go too far past my due date which is Friday the 26th but she is allowing me to, to go until July 2nd um, and then if I don't then she'll induce me but that but because she knows I cannot have the epidural she really wants my body to go into this naturally because I've heard being induced makes it much more intense and just challenging yes. on your body yeah it is it is when I went in with my daughter Kennedy which is the one I had naturally mm-hmm. I was even though I technically was being induced on my 40 week due date I didn't realize I was already in early labor. So I was already like three centimeters dilated when I walked (gasps) in and my body was already in early labor. So it was a much easy is a bad word to use. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But in comparison to when I didn't know I was high risk until my third pregnancy, I got a blood clotting disorder diagnosed between two and three. But the difference in how my body felt between two and three in labor was night and day. And so with Mm -hmm. the second... It was hard. Yes. Oh my gosh. Of course it is. But I had a nurse who was a specialty nurse in all natural delivery. I was in a hospital mm-hmm. room that had a bathtub, which I would say mm-hmm. get in the bathtub sooner than later because I, I got in really late. And then I mm-hmm. felt like I was like a drowning whale. <laughs> because I, felt like I was just like flailing. Um, but it was funny. Like the second I stood up from getting out of that bathtub and they were trying to get my monitors back on me, I looked at my husband and I looked at the nurse and I said, you need to get me back in the hospital bed. Something just changed. Yeah. And she was like, oh, you're fine. You're fine. I said, no, put me back in the hospital bed. Something changed. And so they lay me back down on the hospital bed and my mom and mother-in-law were there and I'm like yelling in pain and my mom's crying and my mother-in-law goes, she should have gotten the epidural. And I said, get them both out of the room. I cannot handle the two. <laughs> I cannot handle the epidural. It's too late. And by the time they sat down in the waiting room, I had the baby. It can oh my snap so fast from like it. It's a moment when your body can actually relax and allow yourself to dilate more, which again, Mm -hmm. relaxing while in labor seems like an oxymoron, but it is key. They'll tell you constantly, try to relax your hips. And I guess the water relaxed me just enough. So by the time I stood and got back to the room, they hadn't even prepped it for labor. And I looked at the nurse and I said, the baby is coming out. Like (laughs) I felt her slide down my spine and get into position. And my body was like, I'm going to push now. And the nurse was like, you need to wait for the doctor. And I was like, nope. (laughs) 
<laughs> so the doctor came running in, barely had time to get her gloves on. And I just had the baby like literally perched at the side of the bed because oh, it was that fat. But I felt wow. everything. I felt my body engage in a different way. I felt my body mm-hmm. like literally like open and tell me, get the baby out. And yeah. we, my husband and I weren't sure we wanted to have baby three. But I kept telling him, and people think I'm crazy for this. I was like, but I miss being in labor, even though it was the hardest moments of my life, pain-wise, feeling your body in those moments is unlike anything else. And having her that way, and also my husband, and I know your husband's going to be a rock star. My husband Mm -hmm. in labor is like the best coach, rock. (sighs) everything it is truly some of my favorite moments from our relationship of the last 12 years have been in those delivery rooms and i guarantee you and matt are going to feel the same thing because he's just like that and Mm -hmm. it's like that's what i wanted and then baby three came around blah 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 blah. i just told you a really long story the moral of the story is this you are so much stronger than you think you are but you are not a failure if you get to the point where you can't so It's like, it's good that your doctors are like listening, trying to get you to the point where your body does it is goes as naturally as possible Yeah, because it makes a massive difference. Yes, <laughs> that's what I, that's what I hear. And I mean, I love hearing people share these stories because especially just positive stories of like, we did, I did this unmedicated without any, and, and they're like, I can do this. So I'm, I'm, I know I can do it. And I've practiced yoga for a long time. And so my husband and I, you know, like that, I think helps my mental kind of focus. But then my husband and I, the other night we were putting together a playlist. So he's got like chill music and energizing music and, and like, okay, and I'm going to coach you through your breathing. And so just gets that piece of me and the support that I need. So I think, I think we're going to be successful. It's going to be good. It'll be an adventure. Lots of, you know, fun story to tell. (laughs) I was about to say, it'll be one of the greatest adventures of your life. And one of the stories you remember forever and probably will mark one of the, obviously you're having a baby. It's one of the greatest days of your life anyway, but also just from a relationship perspective, you'll see Mm -hmm. a whole new side of your husband. That is the greatest thing to see. Yeah. Um, Oh, I love that. I love hearing that. (laughs) We did say something. Um, so you guys ended up doing IVF. Yes. So tell me about your journey getting pregnant altogether that led to IVF. Yeah. I mean, talk about, so I didn't think I'd ever be and uh, you know, have master distiller in my title in any shape or form. And I definitely didn't think I would ever have to do IVF. I mean, my mom uh, got pregnant by accident with my little brother. Um, He's six years younger than me. So 10 years younger than my older brother. And I mean, the greatest accident in the world. Um, But like, but she was 39 when she got pregnant, 40 when she had him. And so I always thought like, well, I come from that kind of gene pool. Like I'm going to be totally fine getting pregnant. And I couldn't get pregnant. I mean, we waited, we got married in 2016 and we knew we wanted to wait a year and just be married and the two of us and travel and do fun things together and build that foundation. And then, um, and then we were like, Oh, well then we'll, we'll pull the goalie and start going. And, um, and it just didn't work. <laughs> it was like, what's going on? You try and let's talk about frustration. I mean, how the irony of just spending your, 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 I don't even know. I hate using the word like sexually active years, but you know, your, your young adult years trying not to get pregnant. And then all of a sudden it's like, I just want to get pregnant body. Come on, what's going on. 
So we tried for about a year and then um, went to, we were like, okay, let's do some fertility stuff because I'm not getting any younger and we're ready to start our family. And, um, and for me, I mean, we knew that going into it, we wanted to have a baby. I mean, that's the end goal is we just want to have a baby and, um, and, and everybody be healthy and all that. So, um, I got checked out. He, he got checked out. Nothing wrong. Really. I mean, there's nothing wrong with him. There's nothing really wrong with me. Um, I mean, nothing that was blaringly obvious, I guess I should say, because clearly there's something, but we don't really know. And the thing about fertility or infertility is just, it's, and, and if you know science, it takes a lot of repetition without changing variables to actually get a clear cut answer. And you know, your body, it's, it works on a schedule every 28 days or so is the only window you have to really try it out and see if you'll get conceived with different methods. So we did the, um, so I basically, I say that because I don't know definitively why I wasn't able to conceive naturally, but I'm okay with that because I'm, I'm days away from meeting my child. And so the end goal was met. Um, but some people really struggle with that. I've talked to people who have infertility issues and they've really struggled. They're like, well, I want to know why. And the why wasn't as important to me as just let's have a baby. Um, but so I, we went to uh, Kentucky Fertility Institute here in Louisville and just started out with the basics. <laughs> yes, they are. They're such the, the staff. I mean, I had the best experience there. So um, I'm truly grateful to the team and Dr. Hunter. Um, but we we went there and we just kind of explored the opportunity of like, OK, well, let's start out small, like just do stuff to burp. Uh, in, increase the amount of eggs I release every month and then try it naturally. And then that didn't work. So then we tried the IUI, which is like where they, I do a trigger shot and it makes me um, ovulate. And, and then they do the like basically artificial insemination. And so we tried that route and obviously didn't work. And then it was like, oh my gosh, well, I want to have a baby. And the, the way that I know was going to be the best guarantee for me was to do IVF. And so we, we just talked it through and we were like, let's do it. Like, I don't want to wait anymore. I want, I want to have a baby. So we, we went down that path and it's very expensive. So luckily I have great insurance through my company and we, and we could afford to do it. So I feel for anybody in a situation where they can't afford it because it's really is expensive and it's just, and it's a lot emotionally. I mean, it's just such an emotional roller coaster because you're like, am I making the right decision? Is this, there's just so many questions and so many unknowns and there's no guarantee that IVF is going to work. It's your greatest statistical chance, but it's still not guaranteed. And so, um, but we made the decision to do that. And I mean, you talk about like an interesting journey of just having to take shot cause you have to give yourself shots. And so I got really good at giving myself shots and, um, I was on a work trip and we went out to Las Vegas and, um, I had to do, uh, had to, go into one of the casinos. We were at the, at dinner. So I went into the casino and had to do all my fertility shots in the bathroom at the casino. I was like, this is so classy. And, um, <laughs> and then you know, it was just really funny. And then, um, I went to, um, had to go to Then when we were flying home, my flight was delayed. So I was in the airport bathroom doing my shots there. And it was just like, just, it 
like at the end of the day, who cares? Like, it's not that big of a deal, but it was so weird at the time. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I just can't believe. And you have to take them at the same time every day. And it's just a lot. And then you're uncomfortable and then you go through the egg retrieval process. And then, um, which was interesting. And, but we got through that and then, you know, you, you, then they grow the little embryos, which there's just so much to this whole process that people don't know about. Um, and, so I was just learning as I'm going and I have friends who already have a, like two or three kids. And they're like, I didn't even know my body did all this stuff. Like <laughs> they just, they have no idea, but I'm like, well, I can tell you all about how the human, the female reproductive system works because you have to know it and everything's so like based on your hormones and doing all these different things. So, um, so it was a journey. And then when we finally were ready to, okay, we're going to do the transfer. We've got our little embryo. We ended up having four embryos that are five days old. And um, we, and so we had the embryos and we were going to do the transfer, but then my body wasn't responding well. And so my, you need to have your uterine lining get thick and all that stuff. And it wasn't doing it. And so I, we had to make the decision of like not doing, deciding to just postpone and not do it and could have done some other testing or do we just wait and try with more, I don't remember if it was estrogen or progesterone, but regardless, um, that was really hard because I had set this expectation up in my mind that it was going to happen and, and then it didn't. We had to change our course correct. And, and then I decided to wait until October of last year to, to, to do a transfer just because I knew that um, work was going to be really busy. And also thinking about Derby, <laughs> it was like, well, I want to have this baby after Derby. Um, so that was something I considered too, because I'm like, well, if I'm going to get some control over this, I'm going to control it so that I can participate in the thing like that I love most about my job or one of the, my favorite things about my job. So we planned it. We did October and it worked. You know, the embryo took this time and um, it was just a crazy journey. And here I am about ready to give birth. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, long story. <laughs> well, you know, you bring up a point, though, that growing up, whether it's your, your parents or your siblings or your friends, you think, oh, this is what my body is made to do, supposed to do. You're right. You spend so much time trying mm -hmm. not to get pregnant. And then it's like when you do try to get pregnant, there are people that for whatever reason, all of a sudden you discover what's going on. And actually, um, I know the people over at Kentucky Fertility Institute, they're a client of ours. And so I've talked to them and they were the ones that made me realize how many women truly or couples, I should say, have this mm -hmm. issue when it comes time to having a baby. And so mm -hmm. um, it is such a scientific process when you break it down like that. And you're right, what your body has to do and how many things have to really align all together at the exact same moment for you mm -hmm. to have a successful pregnancy. I mean, it is absolutely mind blowing. I am absolutely thrilled for you and Matt because I mean, you guys are gonna be the most amazing parents and the cool parents um, with that being said. <laughs> I mean, has the pandemic bothered you at all? Or have you just been keeping your eye on the prize and like, it doesn't matter. It is what it is. Um, you know, I've had my moments, uh, like I've kept my, basically keeping my eye on the prize. I'm some, one of those people who I try to look at the silver lining and everything, every bad situation, because there's always something positive that you can get out of it. Um, and I just feel like there's so much more you get out of, giving positivity the the attention as opposed to negativity and um i mean i was really scared when we started hearing 
parts of certain cities where they weren't allowing anyone else with you when you were delivering. And so that was, was like the thought of not having Matt with me is, was devastating. And, and um, I just couldn't imagine like all those moms out there that had to go through that alone with just their medical team. And it's like, that's, that would be really hard. Um, but luckily we're not in that situation. But I tell you things like, um, like I had my baby shower and it, it was so great. I mean, like my sister-in-law is one of my good friends. She, they put on a, a drive-by baby shower for Matt and I, which was really cool. And then um, I did a virtual one with my other sister-in-law and it was really fun. But I was like so emotional that day because you just think like, I'm finally pregnant and, you know, and and I've got my belly and you just want to share it with all those that you're closest to. And I had to share it virtually, which at the end of the day, I'll take it. (laughs) I've got my family's healthy, like we're all staying safe and staying home and all that. And so I'm so grateful for those things. And, but it was still just like, like had those, that little, that morning, I was a little sad just thinking like, I'm supposed to be going to the shower that I thought about for a long time. And now I have to rechange my, my expectation is like that this is going to be, it's good. And you know, everybody will get to see me and see the baby at some point in the future and it's fine. But that was emotionally just hard and and then, you know, we had the, the drive-by thing, which was so wonderful, too. And, and and you just feel the love because everyone who was putting on these baby showers, like, wanted to make it so special because they felt for me, like, oh, gosh, you're having your first baby and we have to celebrate it in such a odd way. Um, so that was hard. But, you know, like, at the end of the day, like, that's, it's fine. As long as, like, I'm healthy and the baby's healthy, that's really all that matters in the grand scheme of life for me right now. And so we know that, um, that we're going to be in the hospital. I guess it's a shorter stay than usual, which is fine. And, um, my husband does get to be with me. We have a doula. And so she is now approved to be with us, which I'm super grateful for. Oh, that's cool. And we'll see how it goes like with, yeah, so that'll be great to have her there <laughs> to help get me comfortable and able to do this naturally. And then, um, but visitation afterwards, you know, I thought like the other day, I was like, oh man, like, cause we don't know what we're having. We don't know if it's a boy or a girl or, or just, so Matt, I put in my birth plan. I'm like, I want Matt to announce it to me, what we have, if it's Aww. a boy or a girl. And I was really <laughs> looking forward to that moment of him going out to the waiting room and telling like our parents or whoever from our family that's there what it is. And so he'll have to just do that via FaceTime or whatever it is. Um, and then I guess maybe we can have one visitor, but I have to clarify what if, if that's correct, but, um, but one visitor at a time. So it won't be everybody coming and, and meeting the baby, but you know, there's, it's probably some positives to that. Cause I hear you're really tired after delivery. <laughs> so it might I be nice. Say, one of my best friends um, is a labor and delivery nurse. And actually she was just on my podcast that aired mm-hmm. actually this week. And I asked her what it's like being a nurse during the pandemic in the labor and delivery unit. And she actually said, it's been beautiful because mm-hmm. yes, of course you're tired, but there is such a crucial bonding moment that happens when all of a sudden the couple becomes a family. Even when you're adding additional kids, you have to adjust Mm -hmm. to a new person in your family. And she goes, without the distractions of a thousand visitors, you really get to focus on 
getting rest, getting to know your baby, um, learning how to breastfeed, skin to skin contact, figuring mm -hmm. out together as a husband and a wife how to handle this that doesn't have a guide. And she said, honestly, that is one of the best things that she has seen come out of the new restrictions placed on the hospitals for new moms and babies is that extra bonding time. So while yes, yeah. it sucks that you can't have all your family in there. I can remember after we had my son, I was up for over 30 hours straight. And then all of a sudden oh we probably God. had 30 people there within the first 12 hours. I mean, the yeah. level of exhaustion was insane. So I think oh. there is a beauty to that. Um, and also I love the fact that you guys actually did hold out. I was never patient enough to hold out the sex of the baby, but you <laughs> really get to have like that moment. The It's a blank and then tears, of course. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we're just, I mean, that's what I'm, I'm, we've, I've always wanted to just wait and not find out. And then I think also with doing everything, IVF was so like, I knew the moment that I conceived, it was so not, you know, it, there was no mystery to anything. It was all very like medical. And so to have that experience was just so great to be able to be like, okay, we're going to just have one really happy surprise for us. And it's good. I'm so excited for you. You guys are going to be so wonderful. You do look fantastic. That's how this conversation started between you and I. Cause I was like, there's no way she's 39 weeks pregnant. So you handle pregnancy with a glow. Unlike that I've seen on the majority of people. And I cannot wait to <laughs> oh, meet your you. baby boy or baby girl. And I know at some point um, you and I will get to see each other track side again. Yeah. And Yes. You are such an amazing person that I'm so glad that our paths have crossed. You gave me and my husband the best tour ever of Woodford Reserve. And it is absolutely <laughs> that was fun. One, of, one of our favorites because that day we bought a, well, just the barrel, not the bourbon in it, um, but that is now in our closet. And it reminds me of you every time <laughs> I, I know, go in my so closet, it reminds me of Woodford and the fact that I was with you when I bought it. <laughs> so I wish you nothing but the best. And I do mean it that... I don't care what the question is. I don't care if it's in the middle of labor. And I know you have friends you could ask. I'm just letting you know that when it comes to <laughs> breastfeeding, whatever, I am always willing to help out another mom because it is hard. It's unlike anything you've ever done. You can't prep for something you've never really done before and that you don't know how your body's going to react to. So mm -hmm. if there's anything I can ever do for you, I'm here. Well, I really, really appreciate that. That's so sweet. And it's nice knowing I have like a nice support community of women around me to help with all these crazy things that I have no idea what's about to happen. 